Hey there, architecture enthusiast. Nikita Reed here, inviting you on an incredible journey through time and space with my podcast, Tangible Remnants. Historic preservation and sustainability? Let's go ahead right now and debunk the myth that they are opposites. In fact, they are two sides of the same coin, shaping our collective future. In a work environment, it has been challenging because I've had to probably do more than double just to make sure that I quote unquote fit in. But the environments that have allowed me to do me on the front end, I've been extremely successful. You look at all these PhDs, they've built that on the backs of our elders. Absolutely. What they consider themselves to be experts at is what they've worked with us to achieve. I know we have to. We have to prioritize people before products and before place. Join me as we unravel the stories of historic buildings shaped by the people of a specific era and often influenced by race and gender. These tangible remnants are windows into our past and guideposts for the future. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe now to Tangible Remnants. Let's explore the interconnectedness of architecture, preservation, sustainability, race, and gender. jamming we're feeling puerto rico vibes yeah we're excited we're gonna do this hello welcome to she builds podcast where we share stories about the women in the design and construction field one lady at a time this season we're discussing critics theorists educators and all things academia and today we're gonna talk about kaleda ekram the first woman vice chancellor of Bangladesh University of Engineering and Technology. I'm Nurjeri Rivas, jamming to the song Happy by Gerardo Rivas in Houston, Texas. Hi, I'm Jessica Rogers, listening to the latest single from Sueli and Janae Aiko out of Washington, D.C. Hey there, I'm Lizzie Ra, listening to Siki Siki Baba in San Francisco. Siki Siki Baba. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so quick disclaimer, the three of us are not historians, nor are we experts on this subject. We are just sharing stories about the information we find. So if we get our facts a little mixed up, please forgive us and send us a comment and we will all continue learning. Ladies, Kaleda was a trailblazer in Bangladesh. She was one of the first women in her profession. She studied abroad and she lived a life of vocation and passion in what she did every day. Ooh, okay. I can't wait to get started. Yeah, she sounds great. Let's do this. Mm -hmm. Here we go. The time was August 5th, 1950. The place, Dhaka, Bangladesh. Khaleda Ekram was born. Her parents were Ekram Hussein and Kamrunesa Hussein. Wait, so was she Khaleda Ekram Hussein? Jessica, I had the same question and I spent a while looking for an answer. I looked up her parents. I looked up naming practices in Bangladesh, 
So supposedly women can choose to keep their maiden name or take their husband's name after marriage. It's up to them. Then I looked up her sisters, Kamela Akter Ishake, Morsheda Karim, and Masuda Ahmed. Notice how none of them are Hussein, but they were all married, so maybe they all took their husband's names? I don't know. Eventually, honestly, I had to stop because an hour had gone by and I had no idea still what's up with her name. So, <laughs> sorry, but if I had to bet, I would say that her last name is actually Ekram because all the information I found about her spoke like that's her last name. It didn't seem like a middle name that's so okay. interesting. I do know that in some cultures, they take the father's first name as their last name. So maybe it had something to do with that. Oh, uh, yeah, maybe. That makes sense. That could be. I mean, if we have a listener out there in Bangladesh that could please shed some light onto this subject, we would greatly appreciate you sending us an email or a message. Yes, please. And thank you. Mm. Well, Kaleda's parents were a major influence in her life. In fact, she really liked sharing a story about her dad's education. He studied law at Calcutta University in India, graduated honors, and then on his first day in court, he had to lie and he decided he was not about that life and quit. Yeah, makes sense. He was just too much of an honest person. Wow. He said... Nikachi Koriche, and moved on. So what did he do next? After that, he went to study educational psychology at the University of Edinburgh and became a teacher and later on worked for the government. Ah, an honorable profession. Whoa, that's a total career change. <laughs> I know. And Kaleda was pretty proud of her father for that, which to me at first sounded like a story about her father majorly wasting his time. <laughs> But then I realized that it was a story of her dad having integrity and being true to himself. Seems courageous to me for him to have to switch career paths. But it seems like that helped him find his purpose and maybe impact Kalida. Yeah, I feel like if he knew he wasn't going to enjoy it and have to spend his whole life doing something he hated, then it's not a waste of time to move to something else, right? But yeah. did that influence her to become a professor as well? I think so. And not just her dad. Her mom was a major influence, too. According to Kaleda, her mom received a bachelor's degree from Bethune College of Calcutta when she was 20, making her the fourth Muslim university graduate in South Asia, which sounds pretty impressive. Yeah, both of her parents were examples to pursue high education, especially her mother. Yeah, that's so cool that she had the example of her mom pursuing higher education to inspire her. A lot of our ladies are the first woman in their family to do that. Yeah. I think her parents not only led by example, but probably also supported all of their four daughters to pursue their professional goals. Her older sister, Kamala, had a PhD in plant pathology from England. Morsheda had a degree in economics from London and was a part of the Bengali program division of the BBC. And her youngest sister, Masuda, had a master's degree in English and was a college professor. I love all these ladies getting all these degrees. Yes. Also, plant pathology? Is that like a plant mortician? 
Do they do plant <laughs> autopsies? Is that a thing? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah, I know about these things. So a plant okay. pathologist is someone who studies plant diseases. I don't know. Sounds like a potential second career for your girl. Because it sounds fun. <laughs> um, her sisters sound like they had impressive careers, too. So what happens next with Kaleda? Oh, yeah. Kaleda had a super impressive career as well. We'll get there soon. First, let me tell you how she was growing up. She was quiet and a calm kid, and she loved to draw and paint, so her parents enrolled her in an art school. One of her parents' friends had a son that was an architect, so whenever they would go visit, she saw lots of models and drawings, and Kaleda was like, that's it, I'm done, I want to be an architect. So naturally, she shared her life's goals with her parents, as one does, and her dad was a little disappointed because he wanted her to study physics or engineering. Disappointed? Bahalagena. <laughs> mm. I want to know what his excuse was. I roll. <laughs> I'm really not sure why exactly he wanted those careers for her. If anything, part of me was proud of him for encouraging his daughter to pursue a career in STEM fields, because even to this day, we know the hurdles women face in those fields. But come on, if anyone should know the pitfalls of a career that's not right for you, it's him, right? <laughs> Hello? Yeah. He should have encouraged her to follow her arrow. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I like that he was still encouraging her into STEM, but still let the girl pursue her interests. I want to know is what is everybody's beef with architecture? We're season four. <laughs> like, what's wrong? What's wrong with it? Also, it's called support people. Get into it. Nerjidi, what did Kalila end up doing? Well, in an effort to support her father... She took the entrance exams to both architecture and engineering schools at Bangladesh University of Engineering and Technology, or BUET. Then, in a surprise turn of events, to her, but not to her dad, she did better on her engineering exam than on the architecture exam. She was third out of 2,000 engineering exam takers and fifth out of 700 for architecture. Whoa, she did so well on both of those. Yeah, wow, what an achievement though. And that school, it's famous too. BUET is the oldest institution to offer the study of engineering, architecture, and urban planning in Bangladesh. Yeah, so this was a very big accomplishment for Khaleda. Hopefully her dad was proud. Well, passion won in the end, Kaleda entered architecture school and graduated top of her class in 1974, being the only girl in her class out of 25 students. Oh, hey. Do it, Kaleda. Now, I didn't find information on when she began architecture school, but judging by her graduation date and how long we know architecture school takes, Unless you're Julia Morgan and you do it in two seconds before you turn 30. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's pretty safe to say that she was probably in college by 1971. Okay, that's fair. That means that Kaleda was going to school in the middle of the Bangladesh Liberation War, 
which started on March 25th, 1971, when Bangladesh was actually East Pakistan and ended in December 1971 when West Pakistan surrendered. And Dhaka, the town where Khaleda was born and raised and where her university was in, lived through a lot of conflict and massacres. In fact, the university itself was the scene of at least one terrible massacre. Wow, I can only imagine. And to be experiencing all of this while attending the university, it probably heightened the whole situation. You know, I did a semi-deep dive on Wikipedia about this, and I won't take a lot of your time today, but just know that even though, thank goodness, the war lasted less than a year, it was pretty terrible. And a lot of countries condemned it, and it led to the world's first benefit concert. Really? Interesting. Yeah. The concert for Bangladesh happened in August of 1971. It was organized by George Harrison, one of the Beatles, and the sitar player Ravi Shankar, who's a famous musician and also Nora Jones's dad. So George and Ravi brought together a bunch of stars to play at Madison Square Garden in New York. Ringo Starr, Bob Dylan, Eric Clapton, and it was a big success and it inspired future benefit concerts like Live Aid. Yeah, George organized it to raise international awareness of what was going on in East Pakistan and fund relief for refugees from the war. Ooh, very cool. Kaleda made a very brief mention about this period in an interview, so it's not like I found a lot of information about her experience during this time, but I just imagined her doing what she had to do during that time to stay alive and live out her dream of becoming an architect. I can't imagine. It also seems very relevant for what the world is currently witnessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you know, in a couple of our episodes, we have had ladies that have gone through wars. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. A lot of our ladies have had their homes or offices bombed when they lived through wars. And I'm always so impressed at their resilience. Mm-hmm. Yes, I totally agree. I mean, they dealt with a whole bunch of crap misogyny, unequal pay, zero representation in the profession. Everything was a battle. And then on top of that, they lived literal wars. Their strength is beyond inspiring. Yeah. Besides the misogyny, the unequal pay and blah, blah, blah. Hearing these kinds of stories still makes it seem possible to succeed in this profession, especially when you hear the stories of these women that had to experience that plus live through wars. Well, Kaleda didn't miss a single beat. She graduated in 1974, and that same year, she got a job working at Bastukalabit Limited in Dhaka. I'm going to assume this is a firm, right? Yeah, when I was looking things up, it seemed like a lot of firms or companies in Dhaka have the word limited at the end. Mm. Okay. Like Limited Liability Corporation? Maybe. (laughs) So a year later, she worked for Parikalpak Sangsta Limited and also joined the Department of Architecture of her alma mater as a lecturer. Two years later, she became an assistant professor. Nice. Working her way up. Okay. Those years were very bittersweet for her. While she was excelling in her career, she lived through tough tragedies in her personal life. Within the span of a year, she lost her mother and two sisters. Oh, no. That's horrible. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
Well, after she became an assistant professor, she did what academics do. She took a sabbatical. Ooh, I could go for a sabbatical. Me too. Understandable. And yes, I would be so down for a sabbatical right now. She got an offer she couldn't refuse. (laughs) (laughs) On sabbatical? Well, listen to this. She won the East-West Scholarship to pursue a master's degree at the University of Hawaii. That's why she went on the sabbatical. Oh. Wait, the sabbatical was for her to take the scholarship or that she took the sabbatical to apply for the scholarship? She took the sabbatical after she won the scholarship because she would have to go study. Yeah. So her sabbatical was this study. Right. I see. Yeah. Do you guys know about the East-West Center? Nope. Ooh, I know. Okay. So the East-West Center or the EWC is an education and research organization established by the U.S. Congress back in 1960 to strengthen relations and understanding among the peoples and nations of Asia, the Pacific, and the United States. It is headquartered in Honolulu, Hawaii. People that have participated in these programs include heads of government, cabinet members, university and NGO presidents, corporate and media leaders, educators, and individuals prominent in the arts. Exactly. So her winning this scholarship was a big deal. I should mention that by this time, Khaleda was married to the architect Harun Ur-Rashid, and she also had her first daughter, Miriam Ali. But it's hard to move a whole family, so she went to Hawaii alone. Ooh, that's tough to leave family behind. But it sounds like her husband was supportive of her going off to pursue this great opportunity, which I like. Hey, we know a baby called Miriam. Shout out to baby Misa from the Slocum pod. Okay. Now, now this is what I'm talking about. Support. It must have been so hard to leave her husband and a whole baby. But Hawaii must be nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Hawaii is super nice. She stayed in the girls' dormitory, Hale Kuahine, designed by I.M. Pei, and she remembered it fondly. Apart from living in literal architecture, a <laughs> lot of her favorite memories from her experience happened there. I quote from her. I'm going to give her a British accent. Sure. At the center were participants from Afghanistan, Pakistan, Japan, New Zealand, Australia, Indonesia, Sri Lanka, India, Malaysia, Singapore, Hong Kong, and from mainland USA, of course. Though we had the liberation war with Pakistan in 1971, Bangladeshi and Pakistani participants were friendly with each other. That sounds really nice. I like that she was able to meet people from all over the world and that she was able to enjoy relationships with Pakistanis as well. Yeah, this briefly reminds me of Zaha, episode 18, who went to a Catholic school as a little girl. There, she also had classmates of different backgrounds and cultures. Right. So her roommate, Sharon McCoy, was from Chicago, but she lived in Japan for years and they bonded about being women living in Asia. They would stay up all night discussing their experiences in Japan and the Liberation War, and they would always conclude that a lot of the issues in Asia and in the United States were due to gender. Living in a woman's dorm and those conversations 
inspired Khaleda to become more active in gender equity initiatives through the rest of her career. I love this. Women encouraging women. Yeah. A year after she received the scholarship, her husband wanted to and joined her. Oh. Yeah. So she had to leave her beloved Hale Kwahine. She thought that they were the first couple that won and took the scholarship at the same time. So they had a unique situation while they were there. That's so great that her husband could join her. I'm assuming her daughter got to come too then? Not immediately. She mentioned that she brought her daughter to Hawaii during her thesis research. So it sounds like both her husband and her were at the university for a while without their daughter. Ooh, that must have been hard for both of them to be gone from her. I feel like I would feel better if I had to be gone knowing that my child was with the other parent. But, you know, you got to do what you got to do. And hopefully Miriam was still with family back home. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could imagine that they're both just very busy with their studies. So it seems understandable that they would leave their daughter. Besides, it's like you said, I hope they were with family because at least they would have that peace of mind that their child was safe. Unlike someone they didn't know in Hawaii going to like a Mm -hmm. babysitter or someone random. That's a good point. Well, she spoke of her whole experience of leaving her country for the first time and studying abroad as formative in her career. Not only her studies, but All her experiences there, the East-West Center organized hiking, camping, beach trips that she got to participate and enjoy Hawaii. She said living in Hawaii, she would sometimes feel like she was living in the realm of the divine, making her a better architect and professor. This all reminded me of our study abroad time in Italy and how important that was for us, not only for our classes, but our trips around the country and being immersed in different cultures. It was just great. For real. It definitely opened my eyes to other cultures and experiences. And I remember feeling similar to Kalida, thinking that living in Florence, I felt like I was walking in a history book. And I mean, Hawaii, it's just paradise. Yeah, study abroad was great for both exploring history, but also other cultures, like you both said. And it sounds like Kalada had the same experience in her time in Hawaii, which is amazing. Can we do adult study abroad in Hawaii? Ooh, I volunteer. Ooh. I'll take a sabbatical if I can figure that out. Yeah. Uh, I want to do it. Sign me up. Yep. Okay. Kalada graduated from the University of Hawaii with a master's in urban and regional planning in 1980. Again, not losing a beat, she went to work for Michael Suzuki Associates in Honolulu as an assistant architect planner. She also kept working for the East-West Center, running community service projects in Honolulu. Ooh, very nice. Well, all in all, Kaleda's vocation was teaching, so she went back to be an assistant professor in BUET and got promoted to associate professor in 1986. But turns out being a university professor is also super competitive and it's a battle of the degrees on degrees to keep up and get tenure and climb the academia ladder. Well, I know that getting tenure can get competitive, but I never thought of it as being a degree comparison type of thing, though. I have heard that amongst professors that Tenure becomes a thing of getting published and having your work recognized and journals and stuff. Mm. Yeah. 
It kind of reminds me of Amazalee Lee Meredith and how she kept going back for more degrees. Yeah. I thought that too. Yeah. So in 1992, she got a PhD in architecture and development at Lund University in Sweden. Oh, okay. Sweden. World degree traveler over here. I guess if I was going to go for more degrees, why not choose a new country to explore while you're at it? You know? (laughs) Yeah. I like the way that all of y'all are thinking. Yeah. She got her PhD and went back to associate professor at BUET. While she was getting her PhD around 1990, 1991, BUET had about 4% female students. And the next year, it went down a percent. And Canada was like, what is going on here? Keep Kano. This is why representation matters. Could it be a coincidence? Maybe, maybe not. It's not clear why, but... The thought was that girls just didn't know careers in technology were available to them. To quote Michelle Obama, former first lady in the 2017 AIA conference in Orlando, people don't know who they can be if they don't see it. I heard her say that. And it's true. So there used to be this government program in Canada called Canadian International Development Agency or CIDA. It was an organization that administered foreign aid programs in developing countries. They visited BUET in the early 90s while Khaleda was back, and they learned about how just 4 to 3% of students at BUET were women. So CIDA started a fund and invited Khaleda to start a program to motivate prospective women students to study in technical fields. Eventually, this was named the Gender Equality Policy Group. That's so cool. How did they go about motivating prospective students? They had outreach programs and worked on recruitment. Mm. Also, there was not a quota of how many women needed to be enrolled at the university. Still, little by little, the numbers grew. In Khaleda's lifetime, the number grew to 24%. And hopefully it's even better now. Nice. Hmm. In the States, most universities have reached a 50-50 split uh, between the two genders. I am curious to know how this compares to other countries. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good question. Getting her PhD worked out. In 1995, she went from associate professor of BUET to professor. Then, Then, two years later, she became the head of the department, and two years after that, the dean of the faculty of architecture and planning. Whoa. That's super great. Prashumsha. Throughout her career and teachings, she focused on housing, community development, urban design, urban planning, and gender issues. She submitted an action plan to the government for removing barriers for women in technical professions, and she was the advisor for Women Architects, Engineers, and Planners Association of Bangladesh. Oh, make it moves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She wasn't just a distinguished professor. She was one of those teachers that is genuinely loved by her students. One time she was giving lectures in Australia. Talk about world traveler. Mm. (laughs) And she took took her son with her. Well, Kaleta had a few former students there and they took her son out while Kaleta was doing her thing. 
And they even organized a get-together for Bangladeshi architects in Australia, all for her. Khalida said, I love teaching as well as my professional career. I'm sure my students also love me. I think we would have liked her as our professor. Mm. Oh, yeah. She sounds amazing. I definitely would have invited her to one of those professor dinners that y'all did back in the day. Oh, yeah. Those were good. Yeah. Yummy. Wait, when did she have a son? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I guess I didn't exactly mention this, but she had two daughters. We've already met one, Miriam Ali. And she also had Mashida Rashid and a son, Khaled Yasin Rashid. On top of everything she was doing, she was also a mom to three amazing kids. And they all became professionals. The eldest daughter and the son are environmentalists, and Mashida is a public health specialist. Wow, that's so great. Way to have such a big career and raise three children. That's really tough, but it sounds like they all turned out pretty great. Yeah, she must have been so proud of them. Mm-hmm. On September 11, 2014, the Education Ministry of Bangladesh appointed Khaleda to be the Vice Chancellor of BUET. This made her the first woman to hold that position at the university and the second woman to hold the position of VC in the history of Bangladesh. Yes! Get it, Khaleda! Yes! And then the drama started. Oh? The Teachers Association of BUET opposed the appointment because those positions were supposed to be based on seniority, and Kaleda was the 26th most senior professor and not eligible. Mm. Ekumi? Haters. Haters. I mean, seniority, as opposed to, I don't know, merit, achievement, leadership, perhaps. I don't know, just a thought. Haters, they gone, hey, ballas are gonna ball. Rude. Haleda just did her thing, and eventually the haters had to shut up because they couldn't <laughs> ignore all the good Kaleda was doing. She mm. was credited with improving academic excellence, graduation rates, and overall students' experience. The students started calling her the Iron Lady because of how strong she faced all the adversity and how she got a lot of work done. That's right. She showed them. Get a girl. Get a girl. In an interview, the president of the Teachers Association at the time admitted that while he did not agree with Kaleda's appointment as VC when it happened, afterwards, Kaleda won everyone over with her hard work and she was a good administrator. So there you go. Yeah, mm -hmm. take that. Suck it. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing what she wished she could have done. That's right. <laughs> she wish she could have said, in your face, suckers. <laughs> Sadly, after all that, she was only able to serve 20 months out of her four-year term because she got very, very sick. Oh. She had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma disease. She was admitted to a hospital in Dhaka, but she needed a little better care. So the prime minister of Bangladesh got involved, pulling from her special personal funds, and they flew Kaleda to a hospital in Bangkok. Unfortunately, Kaleda was just too sick, and she passed away May 24, 2016. She was 66 years old. 
Oh, no. She was still in her prime. I can only imagine how much more she could have done if she hadn't gotten sick. For real? Ugh, this is so sad. I feel like she had so much more that she wanted to accomplish, more lives to impact. Yeah. I, yeah, I know. This lady was so loved. Her passing was national news. I found news reports on YouTube, which I could not understand, but <laughs> I could tell from their faces that everyone was speaking of their surprise and sadness. Hundreds of people attended her funeral and burial. After her passing, her daughter wrote, I'll give her daughter an American accent. <laughs> My mother, Khaleda Ekram, was the toughest woman I knew. A slender woman, almost wraith-like in her final years. My mother to us was a figure larger than life. All through her life, she insisted on higher education for all three of her children and the need for women to be equal contributors to society. She broke gender stereotypes and taught us to be confident in making our own decisions. My mother was a lioness, a warrior. She clearly had an impact on her students and those in her life, but also the entire country? That's amazing. And that just goes to show how impressive she was. Yeah, for sure. For her to make national news just goes to show her impact. And her daughter was right. Kalida was a lioness and a warrior for mm -hmm. the profession, for women, academia, Bangladesh, the world, Hawaii. I mean, I can keep going. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I, for sure. I don't know. That was really nice. Thank you, ladies, for saying that. Mm. I got a little goosebumps. I mean, she's a lioness. This is a good story. That's right. So cool. Now it's time to talk about are karyatid. Hit it, Lizzie. You got it. All right. A karyatid is a stone carving of a woman used as a column or a pillar to support the structure of a Greek or Greek-style building. Each episode will choose a karyatid, a woman who is working today, furthering the profession through their work, and who ties into the historical woman of our episode. All right. This week's karyatid is... <laughs> Mayra Jimenez Montano. Mayra. Mayra Jimenez Montano is the Dean of the School of Architecture of the University of Puerto Rico, or UPR, as we Puerto Ricans call it. Woo! Yeah. Ooh, I know her. Well, I met her when I was doing an architecture school tour in Puerto Rico a few years back. So, hey, shout out to UPR. Woo. Like Kareda, she teaches at her alma mater. She graduated from the School of Architecture at UPR with a Master's of Architecture in 1993. And then she got a PhD in Visual Arts and Education from the University of Granada in 2017. Whoop, whoop. She's been teaching at the University of Puerto Rico since 1995. That's more than two decades of molding young minds and architects. And like Kaleda, she is very dedicated to this endeavor. She coordinates the School of Architecture summer program for high school students. She teaches first years and thesis students. And she is passionate about teaching methodologies and different ways to pursue creative research. I am feeling a connection over here. <laughs> yeah, for sure. 
She was Associate Dean of the Architecture School from 2011 to 2016. Then, in 2018, she was the Interim Dean. And today, from the articles I was reading, I think she's the Dean. So I'm going to call her Dean, and if anyone corrects me, I will let you know. Okay. <laughs> Unless otherwise noted, she is the Dean to us. Yep. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> All right. Before we say goodbye, let's visit the Agora. In Greek society, the Agora was the central meeting place for the city where news was shared. So now we're going to share some news from the listeners. Listener of the show, Gerardo Rivas, or should I say Gerardo, Gerardo Rivas, 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 Rivas. Rivas. <laughs> Rivas. <laughs> launched a solo salsa career. And right now he has a great single called Happy. And like the name of the song, the song is super happy. Yeah, I love this song. It's definitely a song that achieves what it's supposed to. It just makes you happy. Makes you dance. Makes you dance. So congrats on your great music. I encourage all y'all to head on to Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen to music, and look up Happy by Gerardo Rivas. Yeah, Rivas! Woo. <laughs> well, this is great. We really want to continue to share great news from our listeners. So if you have news to share, big or small, please send them to our email, shebuildspodcast at gmail.com. Let's celebrate your accomplishments. Before we say bidai, we want to say donobad to CMYK for the music, John W., our technical producer, and most of all, Apnake Anik Donobad for listening. We hope you enjoyed learning about Kaleda and Mayra along with our banter and that you are inspired to find out more about them and other amazing professional ladies. Again, Donobad. Did you know that SheBuilds Podcast is a member of the Gable Media Podcast Network? Well, Gable Media is a curated thought leadership for an audience dedicated to building a better world. Listen and subscribe to all the shows at GableMedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. Please let us know what you thought of our episode. If you've enjoyed it, please help us spread the word. Tell your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, your family members, your roommates, your professors, your classmates. Tell them all. Give us five stars on iTunes and write us a review. This will all help us reach a wider audience and for more people to learn about these amazing ladies with us. We're excited to hear from you and for you to come back and keep learning about women bosses with us. You can email us your thoughts at shebuildspodcast at gmail.com. Leave us a comment on our website, shebuildspodcast.com, or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at shebuildspodcast and on Twitter at shebuildspod. Until then, be die. Be bye. I'm gonna give her a British accent. This Bengali woman. <laughs> okay. They tend to learn British English though. Okay. That's that was my thought. Okay. At the center, what <laughs> sorry. We're making assumptions. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. 
You got yeah. anything? I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my One that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.